Anyway, let's pray. Let's pray for this morning. Let's pray for what God um, wants to speak to us about. He's, he's I, I guess, challenged me but encouraged me with a, a, a particular passage of Scripture, but one, one verse in particular, but that the whole thing comes to life. And I want to be able to share that with you today if I can. So we, I want God's hand on it. You should want God's hand on it, that he would breathe his breath, that it's not just mine. The beauty is the beauty is that the word of God is the living word. It cuts like a double-edged sword. It makes no matter what I say, because as long as I'm sharing from this, I know that it's alive and well, yeah? Amen? So, Father, we just pray that you would truly have your way in our hearts today. Lord God, we just don't want to leave this place tickled. Lord, though we enjoy those moments too. But Father, we, Lord, the, for me there's a sense that we, I want to be more like your son. So Lord, with the words that you share, Lord, bring us to a place, Father, where you challenge us, where we step into greater depths of understanding, where you would do a work in us, where truly we would be transformed into the image of, that, of our wonderful Messiah with ever-increasing glory. So have your way today. Speak to us today. May we go away from this day with nuggets of gold that not only affect our lives, but affect the lives of those around us, our neighbours, our friends, and Lord, obviously our city. So we bless you, we bless you, we bless you. And everybody said, Amen. The passage of scripture that's really captured my heart is Psalm 77. Uh, it's one of those Psalms, it's, it's not David, it's Asaph that's it's written the Psalm. It's a Psalm of Asaph. But it's a psalm that's really, it's open, it's transparent. There's a lot of vulnerability in the psalm when you read it. As, as you read what he writes, he's sharing blatantly from his heart what he's going through. And then it has this, a little bit like Ross's story of that wonderful movie, obviously, that we should all go out and see uh, ever. Um, it has a turn in it, you know where God lifts us up and gives us hope. And a lot of the Psalms are written like that, and, and which is a good thing for us. So let's see where we go with it. Is that all right? So Psalm 77, I'm reading the entire Psalm from verse 1. I cry out to God, yes, I shout, oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed even to pray. I, I think of the good old days, long since ended, when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion. And I said, this is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. But, I love a but. A good but's a good thing, yeah? We'll just leave it there. But then I recalled all you have, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. 
Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along the road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. Bless that. Bless that. Bless that, God. That psalm, that psalm is a prayer when, when you're going through stuff. Yeah, it's, it's the type of prayer you pray when you, you're suffering, when you're going through trials, when you're going through tribulations. It, it's the type of prayer you pray when you're feeling totally helpless and like you're in darkness. It's, it's that type of prayer. And, and in the first 10 verses alone, Asaph, he, he's, he's shouting to the Lord. Like he's, he's shouting, you know, anyone ever shouted to God? You know, yeah, he, he's shouting to the Lord and it, it actually says he's raising his voice with his hand. You know, like he may, obviously he's a good, you know, Middle Eastern, half European, who knows, you know, because he's speaking with his hand. He's, he's shouting to God because his life is falling apart, yeah? Like it's, I, I, lo- I love the imagery of it. And the first two verses alone describes how he's seeking the Lord in the midst of the trial. And, and, and for me, any person who's ever endured a trial, ever endured suffering, ever endured pain of any type, any of life's circumstances, anyone who's ever been through anything like that, you, we can, you can relate to the words of Asaph. Just the, look at the first two verses. I cry out to God, yes, I shout. That's one of those, oh, God, you know, you, like you've got to hide the mic. It's like, God, what's going, Lord, why? You know, one of those moments where he's just having one of those moments, he cries out, I shout, oh, that God, you'd listen to me. So now he's like, I can't, I don't even know if you're listening anymore. My, my suffering's so great. I, I don't even know if you're listening. When I was in deep trouble, I, I searched for the Lord all night long, I prayed. With hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. That's really sad. He was literally just crying out for help, broken, emotionally spent, totally in distress. And then he's in such pain, he finishes his second verse with, you know, my soul was not comforted. I was looking, I turned to God for comfort in my suffering, in my pain, in my distress, and, and my soul, it wasn't, it wasn't comforted. You know, he was in, in such pain that he couldn't even put it into words. Look at verses 7 to 9. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Like He doesn't even have answers for this stuff. Yeah, he's crying out to God. He's, he wants comfort from him. And then he just starts blurting out question after question after question because he doesn't know where God is. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? It, it has to be the worst feeling in the entire world when you feel like the Lord will never again be favorable to you. You'll never know his favor again because everything just one, one step after the other, one brick after the other, one wall after the other. Everything seems to be an obstacle. Everything seems to be a hindrance. Everything seems to be painful. Everything leads you to suffering. 
It's got, it, it has to be the worst feeling in the world. Has, has his loving kindness, has it stopped forever in my life? You know, that's, that's the type of prayer that this psalm is. Now, I don't know about any of you, but having walked with the Lord, you know, I'm 48, nearly 50, so 28 years, I have prayed prayers like this. I'd imagine anyone that's been a Christian for five weeks, six months, or, or, or 80 years has prayed a prayer like this before. You know, I know the promises, Lord. I've heard them at church. I've learned them. I've heard them at, at, at home group, at Bible study, at friendship group. I went to Bible college. But those promises seem so far away. They, they don't even seem like they're for me. They're for everybody else. You know, I know that they're only my moments of despair and not yours, yeah? And, and Asaph feels like God's doing nothing. He goes, here I am in my deep trouble. And he's saying, and God, where are you? In the midst of my trouble, where are you? Aren't they the worst feelings? The worst emotions? Like, if we're to be real, I, I love the fact that this poor guy writes, writes this down and someone decides to stick it in with a whole bunch of other prayers and writings so that the rest of the world can know of his despair. Yeah, isn't that brilliant? The brilliance in that is it actually gives us an example for us and how we do life. You can hold on to your despair and your hurt and your pain and your struggling, but I guarantee you, I, you can trust me on this one. You can take this one to the bank. When you've actually got people that you can share it with, that you can actually put it out on the table, the struggles that you have, yeah, you, you bring the darkness to the light and the darkness has to flee. The brilliance and the wonder of family is that when we're in this space, yeah, that we can actually come to one another. Yeah? That's how family should be. That's how we should work. It's not about having it all together and being all right. We don't. We all have moments. You know, we were we, we was joking with, um, I'm sure it was Janine and Stephen, yes, might have been yesterday, but our boys, you know, they play Xbox and they, there's a particular game that they like to play that I like to play, that I know Adam Mason likes to play, that other people like to play. Um, I did, so did I say, I didn't mean to say Adam, I meant to say Lockie, though Adam does too, but I, I don't want to say that in this forum. Anyway, there's a game that we like to play. And we're all mic'd up and we speak to each other. Now, every once in a while, well, maybe I was speaking, I don't know, it was, no, it was you guys, I was sharing it with you guys, wasn't it? And, and I was just saying that I'm sure, because Mel's often pulled me up, she goes, love, you just got angry at the kids and they're playing the game and they're mic'd up. The whole world can hear you. I don't care if the whole world hears me. You know, yeah, you know one of those moments? She goes, you're going to ruin your ministry? People will... <laughs> People are going to find out what you like. Well, I don't care. You know, I'm just so angry right now. It's like, turn the mic off. And then I'm running to the TV trying to turn it off, you know. (laughs) Sometimes things get exposed that you don't mean for them to be exposed. But when they are exposed and they're out there, it actually causes you to stop and to think, yeah, to reevaluate, to have a look at things. And when when you're praying a prayer like this, legitimately praying a prayer like this, it causes you just to stop and think. And reevaluate. What I hope you notice wasn't that coming off, but how quickly I corrected it and caught it. Just like these reflexes of a jackal. You saw that. Just, anyway, <laughs> bring it back to the word, Andrew. Bring it back to the word. 
you know, I, I actually think that Asif captures the feelings of every person. You know, not just those that are going through stuff, but I think he captures the feelings of every person that's ever been through through a trial, ever been through a tribulation, ever had a suffering. I, I think he manages. You know, when he asks these questions, has the has the Lord rejected me forever? You know, he's saying. It, it's hard not to have the feeling of being rejected by God at the moment because of what I'm going through. Like, I just feel rejected. How can my loving God allow this to happen, you know? Will, will he never again be kind to me? You know, one of the hardest things when you're going through a trial is any form of suffering, you actually feel like it's never going to end, yeah? There's no end in sight. And, and he's this guy, is he ever going to be kind to me again? Is he... Is his unfailing love gone forever? Will I ever know the love of the Father again? Like that's a deep, deep hurt. Am I ever going to know the love of the Father again? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? He's, he's actually asking if Father God, if Papa's mercy and grace, if there's any, he's actually asking, is there any left for me? Or actually have I used it all up? Yeah? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? He's freaking out and wondering if he's actually done something wrong. Now, I don't know about any of you here, but I guarantee you that if you were to speak to at least half of us in this room, somewhere along the line, we've thought, you know, have I done something wrong here? You know, things aren't what they used to be. Have I, you know, maybe one of my steps is out. What do I need to look at? Have I done something wrong? And you can go to enough churches, I guarantee you, across the globe where they'll tell you if there's sin in your life, if there's pain, struggling and suffering in your life, it's because you've done something wrong, which is totally not correct. God's just not like that. God allows circumstances because we, we live with free will and he uses those circumstances for good, no matter how painful they are. God doesn't bring them. Yeah, God doesn't bring them. Half the time we go through this stuff, it's one of two things. It's our complete stupidity we end up where we're at or, or our relationship with the Lord's all right and we've got an enemy that goes before God and says, man, I want to take this guy out. God says, no chance, he's not going to buckle. Yeah, I reckon I'll get him to buckle. goes, well, give it your best shot. You know, One or two, our stupidity or God's so proud of us, he's saying, go for it, you know. I'd like to think when I'm going through stuff, I'm living over here because God goes, mate, that's not going to break Andrew. When, I, when we're going through it, we're like, God, we're breaking. <laughs> you know, we're breaking here. But he's Asaph and he's just, he, he's just a mess. But the good news is that something changes and something shifts. Like It, it happens really quickly in the psalm because we read all the way through and then all of a sudden, by the time we get to verse 13, it just changes. He, his language changes. And he says, Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty than, mightier than you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeem your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, O oh God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its depths. And, and it just starts changing. His language changes. It's almost like his countenance changes, yeah? And all of a sudden, he starts praising God for the miracles not just in his own life, but for the miracles that our Father God has done for the Israelites over time. He just starts, he just starts looking back and says, God, you're like this. God, you're like this. God, you did that. God, you did that. And he just starts uttering this stuff, speaking this stuff out. In, and he just, 
as he's doing that, he's no longer centered on himself. He's no longer focused on the stuff that he's going through on his trial. He's no longer focused on his tribulation. He starts explaining how, how mighty God is, how wonderfully holy he is. You know, he reassures himself that there's no other God that's greater than his God. Yeah? I, I love it. How he just starts to say, You are the God of great wonders. Is there any God as mighty, mighty than you? Like he's convincing himself, yeah? He's in this place where he's preaching to himself. It, it's, it's actually such a, a, a powerful passage within that, that psalm. He's the God all of a sudden, as far as he's concerned, that can change the impossible to the possible, yeah? Because he's such a great God. He's the master of impossibilities. And, and, I, and I love, and I think what we have to grab hold of, he actually shares with us how his countenance changed. He shares with us how he's gone from this place of despair, throwing his fist at God, reeling off question after question after question that has no answers to this place where he says, God, you are mighty. There's none mightier than you. And you did this and this and this and this and this and this. In verse 11 and 12, but then, he gets to this place, another but, right? But then, I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I can't stop thinking about your mighty works. You and I, when we're living out this type of prayer, whether we're verbalizing it, whether we're writing it, whether we're feeling it, you know, when we're in the midst of our suffering, we need to be a people that in our time of suffering, in our time of trial and tribulation, that we can look back to all that Father has done, yeah? Not just in our life, but in the life of those that are around us. Because the reality is when we start to see that, it lifts our level of faith. So we can actually start believing from a new level when we know that he's done something for someone else that we need, yeah? We're not just praying in a sure hope that he would. We know that he can. And so we pray from a place of assurance. It's the only thing that lifts our hearts. It's the only thing that picks up our souls when we're in despair. It's the only thing when we look back to see what he's done. So, who's courageous enough to come and share something that God's done for them? be really disappointing in a church full of people if no one came up to share anything that God's done for them. So I'm, we're just going to wait here while someone decides to come up and share. Maybe one, two, three, four. doesn't matter. A little bit of a testimony time. Thanks, Vic. I would have called you up, by the way. I don't call many people up, but you I would have called up because you've always got a story to tell. It's a truth. Meanwhile, all the others that are sitting there thinking, I'm not getting up in the way in the world. I shared it here and I shared it there and I shared behind the scenes, but I'm not going to share in front of the church. Don't be chicken, just come up and share. Thank you very much. Okay, everyone knows that I've been healed, okay? So I'll give you another example. Yep. Okay, right. Okay, when my husband and I were um, planning on moving down to Victoria, okay, we, um, how would you put it? Let's start again. Okay, we were having so many tri trials and tribulations. Okay, we were saying to God, okay, we're not listening. You know, we weren't listening to him. We um, kept saying, no, Lord, not the time, not the time. You know, we had other things to do and all this and that and this. That was all right. Then 
after my mother died and raised mum and my father and that all died, we said, well, that's it. You know, we've had enough, Lord. Okay, we're listening, Lord. We're really listening. He told us, sell everything. I mean, sell everything and follow me. So, whoa. It's a real big thing to sell everything and leave, you know. And I thought, okay, Lord, we're stepping out on a wing here. We'll do it with you. It's not a problem. Okay. And then we got a map out. I said, Lord, where do you want us to go? And people think we're probably mad. But the pen fell on Mount Beauty in Victoria. Mount Beauty. Why is that, Lord? Well, fair (laughs) enough. Okay. And then we were ringing around real estates to find somewhere to live. And the first one we rang, they were useless. They really were. (laughs) And then we rang this place called Mount Beauty Property Sales. And Bill McKelvey answered the phone and... He goes, hello. And I said, oh, we're from Queensland. We're moving down to Victoria. We're praying we are anyway. And he goes, uh, you're not the family who has one son and you're coming from um, Gladstone, Queensland. I said, yes, how do you know? And he goes, well, he says, God told me that there was a family coming from Queensland. It's going to go through my <laughs> real estate. And, yeah, that was so beautiful. Come on. So, yeah. And then so... Everything fell into place after that, you know. Everything sold, everything like that. And then we went to Mount Beauty and it's like, wow, God's home. You know, you can see it's God's own country. Absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. And <laughs> then we moved down um, to Korea and then we moved here. And ever since then, everything's been great. So, <laughs> praise the Lord. Thanks, Pete. You're welcome. They don't have to be big things. They can be small things. We're going to struggle as a people in faith if we don't have um, places that we remember what God's done. So well, I'm happy to sit here all day and just wait. So this I have all day. All day. Go. So this week, um, <laughs> I happened to be sitting there, and this is not a holier than now. It's just coincidental. I happened to be sitting there praying, and it came, th- and I'd finished, and I, as you do, looked at Facebook. And it came through that there was this webinar about something that I need to do. And uh, I sign up for these things and I never do them because they're always American time and they're always in the middle of the night. Anyway, I listened to it. So I, I came on 10 minutes later. I listened to the thing for an hour and a half. And at the end it says it's $1,000. I was walking up to the tram in Melbourne and I said, God, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to drop the $1,000. Uh, literally, and I'm not exaggerating, within minutes I got a text and somebody had bought a painting for $1,000. Yeah, come on. And, and then just while we're in worship, I got an ancient history one. I'm not into <laughs> ancient history. As far as I'm concerned, whatever happened in the past was, you know, forget it all about. A, a thousand years ago, I used to ride a Harley. It was a customised Harley with extended forks and all that. And I used to hang out with some unpleasant individuals. And I did some really damn stupid things. And one of them, so I grew up in Bathurst where they have the, they used to have the motorbike races up there. And I took my motorcycle on my own and my camera and I went round the camp area on my own taking photos. And anyway, at this one particular time, I know I was in the middle of, I don't know why I'm telling you, I don't know why it came back to me. Anyway, a group of about a dozen blokes sort of surrounded me and all of a sudden they just parted. Come on. Come on. I'm fairly pleased about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go for it. I'm some. Stand up and turn around. I'm just kind of remembering um, a time when my mum 
My mum's in full dementia now, doesn't know who any of us are anymore. Um, and got that goldfish length memory kind of thing going on. Actually, has stopped even being able to speak in English or even Dutch, a mother tongue. Um, but there was a time where she was going into that and we didn't know about that. And there was a, um, a guy coming to her church who started to pray, pray on her, take advantage of her. And it was all happening long distance. They live, all my family are in Queensland. And everyone was getting more and more and more and more concerned about how close this guy was getting in towards her. And um, uh, a friend who was a pastor at the time, him and I were just kind of praying about this and he suddenly got a word and we realised that I needed to just go there. Um, just, just to go there. That was all. We got this certainty I was to go up to Queensland and just visit my mum. And it wasn't any, it was very interesting because this guy had really woven his way quite deeply into her life, was, was almost living with her um, and the story came out, actually popped all out at the end of it. But I just went there and I spent, I thought I'm not going to judge, I'm just going to go there and spend time with my mother and get to know this guy, see if he is a serious thing or not and it was very interesting because it was one of those sacred away times you know you have them where you do go away and you realize that God is suddenly ultra ultra close to you as you go away and there's a deep deep fellowship that happened between him and I all the way and through that and look nothing in particular happened while I was there but by the time my flight had landed back in Melbourne, there was a recorded message from my mum saying, I've ended the relationship. Um, he's fleeced me of thousands of dollars. I'm really, really sorry. And, you know, kind of thank God. You know, my mum, they're both believers. And it was kind of, it was, it was God's real affirmation to me of just going in his presence, going, being him, literally, yeah, yeah, flesh yeah, and blood yeah. just That's circulating good. through I, I just circuited through the situation and holy spirit moved and the whole thing just went <laughs> just fell apart you know and it was done and dusted beautiful good i actually like a couple of things that have been shared because they'll work really well um one that comes to mind really briefly was when mel went to visit her dad recently um she was blessed in being able to go someone a friend of ours within the church made that possible for Mel to go and visit her dad and be with her dad. She wanted to go, but we weren't sure when and or how financially how that would happen. But you, you've got to be able to look back and see what God does. So he moves this person to to want to help, and they go, they ring my wife. I'm overseas uh, in Zambia, South Africa. Mel, God's told me to pay for you to go and visit your dad, all that sort of jazz. So Mel flies there. The day she arrives, she meets her dad. The same day she's there, her father's father passes away. Now you tell me that that's not God's timing down to the precise moment that she needed to be there. Whether her dad spoke to her or not about that, the fact that she was there as a support is God working it out all the time. We've got to be able to look back and say, wow, there's a memory, 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 yeah? But let's just keep moving quickly because I'm looking at the time. 
What I love is that as Asaph remembers all that the Lord has done, he gets more and more excited as you, know, as you read it. And then all of a sudden he remembers the Red Sea. And the Red Sea is so really important here because he thinks about how Moses had led the children of Israel to an impossible situation. Seriously, there's this, there's this wall that they can't cross, a wall of water that they can't cross. You know? And there's a vicious army of killers, <laughs> really, you know, bearing down, the Egyptians bearing down on them. And it seemed like there was no way out. There was no path to escape. But, but God had a path that no one knew was there. Yeah? You've got to hear this. He had a path that no one knew was there. Because verse 19 of Psalm 77, Asaph writes this, as he's remembering as he's remembered the goodness, greatness, might and holiness of God, as he's remembering all that God has done, he then stops and starts to remember the whole incident of the Red Sea and then he pens these words, Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. What a, that's a powerful passage of Scripture because it, what it's saying is there's a way that was hidden. No one knew it was there. God knew it was there. And then God opened it up. The, the NIV version of that scripture says, rather than saying it was a pathway that no one knew was there, the, the NIV actually says, though uh, your footprints were not seen. Because, you know, if I walk on the sand, you'll see my footprints. Is that fair? Yeah? When, when this person writes the translation, when it says that God's footsteps were not seen, it's not because they were hidden. They were hidden. They weren't hidden. Yeah, God was about to do something that He had never done before. He hadn't been to the side of the waters to split them apart before. He hadn't done that. He created it. He knew what He was going to do, but He hadn't been there. His footsteps were not seen. There was a pathway that no one knew. They all thought they were going to die. I reckon they would have lost hope. I would have lost hope. I reckon inside there must have been mass hysteria on the inside. You know What was going through their minds at the time? Well, was it similar to what the psalmist in, in Psalm 77 wrote you know, that we looked at earlier, those verses 7 to 9? Was that what, was that what they were, were feeling and thinking? You know, I imagine they would have been scared Pricelessly scared. I mean, the scripture itself says that they even went to Moses and they complained, What have you done? Where have you brought us? Look, if you brought us here to die, there's no way out. They they were terrified. There's no place to go, there's no one to save us. We're doomed. And the Egyptians, we can see the cloud of smoke, they're coming. You've led us into a trap. I wonder how many times you and I have said something similar in our circumstances. There's no way out. This is a shamozzle. What a mess. Flippin' heck. What do I do now? How do we get out of this? How do we fix it? How do I get rid of the pain? How do I bring that person back? How do I pay that? I feel like I'm trapped. And there's nothing anyone can do. And we hit this panic button, yeah? Just like they did. But on that day, 
in remembering the Red Sea. God was in control. He was in control that day and he's in control every day. Amen for that. So the only way out of their trouble was the path that God was about to make for them. The only way out of their trouble was the path that God was about to make for them. It was a path that he was making just for them. Yeah? He wasn't, you know, it's not like he made a great coffee for someone and was making another great coffee for someone else. He hadn't done this for he. This was just for them. This was special just for them. And I reckon if you and I stopped for a moment and closed our eyes and pondered on the Lord, we can find not just one, but I imagine two or three or four or five moments where God's done something that has been just for us. Yeah? Just for us. See, they either, they either went God's way or they would have gone back into bondage and slavery, possibly even death. Pharaoh may have made them slaves again. He might even have killed them. Who knows, you know? <laughs> we're taking off. See you, Pharaoh. Thanks for all the great times, but we're out of here, you know? God showed them the way out. And sometimes God shows up to show us a way out of our trouble, yeah? Problem is, for a lot of us... <laughs> We often don't want to take God's path because God's path leads us to a big, solid wall of water where there is nothing else that we can possibly do. Yeah. There is no plan B if we take God's path through some of our troubles and some of our sufferings. It's that uncrossable wall of water in front of us. Someone's got to be hearing me this morning, yeah? You know, we want to follow our own desires and often we just want to make our way, God make our way work. So it's just easier. But Papa, Father God did something that he'd never done before. His footsteps were, were nowhere to be seen. There was a path that no one, no one knew was there. And so if you think about the, tr- the sufferings in your own life, the trials and tribulations you find yourselves in, don't you think for a minute that God can actually do something that's just for you in that place like he did for them? Yeah? See, just because you don't see the path right now, it doesn't mean that it's not there. Just because you can't see his footsteps or his leading and you just feel like you're trapped and there's a wall in front of you doesn't mean that there's not a path out. A way only God knew about because he alone created it. I love it. He's telling us in these verses that just because we don't see a way out doesn't mean it's not there. He created it just for them. He's going to create it just for us. And I don't know who this is for, but there's a path running through the middle of your situation. There is a path that was running through a middle, right through the middle of your trial and your tribulation and your suffering. That's, it's right through the middle of your trial and there's a way of escape that he's bringing. You just can't see it yet. Yeah? 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. I love how it says no difference to what others experience. Now let's put it into context. We go through different stuff. It looks really different, but the emotion attached to it, we all come from the same address, yeah? It's the way that it works. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out, yeah, so that you can endure a way out doesn't sound like it's something that we have to endure. Right? You know, a way out sounds like it's a way out. I'm free. Yeah, I'm out of the suffering. I'm out of the trial. I'm out of the tribulation. Woohoo! But he shows us a way out that often looks like a body of water and requires a heck of a lot of faith. 
And, and I love this because the Israelites come to the edge, of the, the edge of the water, the edge of the Red Sea as they're escaping from Egypt. And, and, and I reckon they were afraid. They were totally flat out afraid because the Egyptians were behind them. There was, there was no time. They couldn't go around this thing. It was there, yeah? And Father God, through Moses, had led them to this point and there was nothing in front of them but water. But as he does, God then acts. And Moses stretches forth his rod, the waters part. I, I, I loved what you shared that there you were with your... And I can actually picture you in this custom Harley. Um, long flowing hair, black helmet. I was buffy back then. Specially made designer helmet to fit the buffy hair. And, and riding to a place yeah, where you discover that there's all these guys who like your bike yeah and then in a moment for some unbeknownst reason they they split so he makes a way where there's no other way you know though his footsteps are unseen he knows what he's about to do and they get to the edge of the red sea and moses does what he does and the and and the waters parted but if you could imagine the height of those waters if you could imagine how deep that was in the middle i don't know about you but if i was walking and there's water like you know just there and I don't imagine water would be still because it's never still and it'd be splashing and I'd probably get a little bit wet and I probably could see the fish on the other side while still seeing the smoke the dust and noise of the Egyptian and you want me to walk all all the way over there like what happens if it comes down like how long is that going to be up for are we going to put up like special support beams and walls so that if God decides now, oh, my hands are tied, it, that it won't create like, I'd be scared. Like, I get scared in a cave and, and those walls are hard and fixed. A wall of water, they would have been afraid. And there they were told to walk, walk through the midst of that water. And so we know the story, they did. I reckon whenever we face some of the stuff in our life, the troubles, the suffering, the fear, sometimes it's a little bit like that. When God makes a way, there's still a little bit of fear and trepidation there as he shows you the way out. Yeah, It just doesn't totally become, oh, I'm happy now. Wow, I'm surprised. That, that was a difficult time. But now as I walk through it, Walk through it. Yeah, walk through it. Not, not around it or over it. Walk through it. I'm really happy now. It doesn't work like that. There's still a little bit of fear. But this is what I love. I actually reckon there must have been something that they noticed. There must have been something that was said over the years because the psalmist captures something that you and I got to take away today. If we take away anything today apart from a good coffee, and please buy a coffee, goes to mission. That's how we pay for stuff in mission. A lot of our mission stuff, by the way. Just putting it out there. It's not just because it's good coffee. It's a good cause. Yeah? I know the other stuff's for free. That's for free. It doesn't sow into mission. That stuff costs you something, goes into mission, reality. Yeah, keep moving forward because I just offended half the people here. So this is what I love. I believe they notice something strange about the waters. It, we catch it in verse 16. Yeah, When the Red Sea saw you, when the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The waters were scared of God. The very thing, the obstacle that was in front of them, 
yeah, the cause of their pain was scared of the God that was about to deliver them through it, yeah? What this passage is saying, yeah, is the very thing that's stopping them, the stuff that stood against them was afraid of God. So when we face our stuff, when we're going through our trials, when there's things in our life that just aren't right, the suffering, that stuff is afraid of God. You've got to hear it, yeah? You're suffering with cancer, yeah? It's so... How do you get through that? I don't know. Mel and I are talking because of her dad going through it again. I don't know how that works. But I know this, that when God steps in, the cancer's scared. Yeah? I don't know how I'm going to pay those bills, those finances. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how I'm going to fix that or do that. You know what? The very thing that stands against us, the very thing that we're frightened of, the very thing that we're running from is actually the minute that God steps in is afraid of this mighty God. Look, come on. That is so good. So that means it doesn't matter what we're going through right now, what we're feeling right now. I know it feels like crud. But know this, that when you bring God into it, it trembles. When you bring God into it, it quakes. It shakes. It's scared of the living God. I mean, there's hope in these words. There's a, I'm not going to read it, but read it on your own. In First Chronicles 14, verses 8 to 11, there's a story of David and, and David delivering the children. And, and it says they assembled, and it's not the passage, but they assembled themselves in a place called Rephaim, right? if I pronounce it right. And it actually means the Valley of Giants. So he's David, he's got an issue, yeah? And he's camped at the Valley of Giants. But God gave David such a victory there that they actually changed the name of the place from Rephaim to Baal-perism. I can never pronounce some of these words. It actually means the Lord burst through or the place of breakthrough, right? I'm sharing that to say sometimes we don't like the path that God lays out. We don't want him to take us to a wall of water where we can see no way out and we have to trust in him because we like to control some of the stuff in our life. But if we can't get this, we can never have a different perspective of God or the situation. If we can't get this, how can we ever live in thankfulness? But when he takes us to these places, yeah, it's, and we're in the midst of a valley of giants, we're in the midst of a wall, but he's going to bring us through it because when they change the name, it's the God who bursts through, yeah? Bursts through. Children of Israel had to walk through the Red Sea. It's the place of our breakthrough. When God takes us to a place, to a pathway that no one, no one knows, when he takes us to a place where his footsteps are unseen because he's doing this just for us, he's bringing us to a place where it might look like the Valley of Giants, but he's bringing us to a place that's certainly going to change in a moment to be a place of breakthrough and a place where he, God, bursts through. Amen? Yeah. Why don't we stand? We should stand. We should stand and we should have music. I'm not afraid. Is the song, I reckon. See, are we going to be a people that's led by the Holy Spirit? Are we going to be a people that's led by our own knowledge and our own understanding? Are we going to be a people that's controlled by man's word or God's word, our desires or his desires? You know, so many of us have stuff that we're going through. So many of us have got sufferings that are unspeakable. But when we bring the darkness to the light, the darkness must flee. And if we allow God to speak into those situations, the very thing that we're facing, the very thing that is causing us so much inner turmoil is the very thing that quakes. Yeah? 
at the voice of God, at the presence of God. It's the very thing that is scared of the God that's coming to your rescue to make a path where there is no path, yeah? We have a God that's bigger than anything we might be facing. And today I want us to declare like Asaph, I want us to be able to say, your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. Church, let's sing this with the team. And then I just want to see what God does and what He wants to do in us. Because I think if we're to be honest, open, transparent, like Asaph in his psalm, I reckon some of us need to place ourselves in a position where God can lead us to the wall that he wants to take us through. Amen. I have this confidence. I have this confidence because I've seen the faithfulness of God still inside the storm, the promise of the shore. I trust the power of your word Enough to seek your kingdom first Beyond the barren place Beyond the ocean waves When I walk through the waters I won't be overcome When I go through the rivers I will not be drowned My God will make a way So I am not afraid You keep You keep the promises you make There isn't one that is delayed So I will not lose heart For I will lift my and start to sing into the night My praise will call the sun to rise Declare the battle won Declare that it is done I go through the waters
Watch how good God is. Just think about the things that were shared just quickly as we close. Vicky came forward to share how they were moving. They heard from God to move. And they call a real estate agent they don't know in a place they feel like God's sending them to. And this man says, are you the family with one child from Queensland? I want to say this. God knows where you are, where you're going, what you're going through at any point in time. Yeah? Ross shares how he goes to visit his mum because they're concerned about this person. And nothing special happened, yeah? But after they'd left, by the time he flew back to Melbourne, this person, the mum, had called it off and it had all been done and dusted. We don't know what happened behind the scenes. I'll tell you what happened. The thing that we face when we bring God into it is afraid of the living God. Like the waters were afraid of God and quaked, that situation was afraid of God and quaked. Yeah. I shared what happened with Mel in going to visit her, her dad and the fact that the day that she arrived, unbeknownst to us, because we didn't even know how we were going to get there, let alone when, that her father's father passes away, where she could be there for her dad. God's timing in your life is always, always, always perfect. And when you bring God into a situation as grace shared, yeah, the waters part. What seems like an immovable object, God parts because it's His way where His footsteps are not seen. How's that? Four stories, yeah? Not planned, but speaking into the Word of God for today. So wherever you are right now, place your hand on the person next to you. Find someone that you can pray with or pray for. And let's pray that our God will make a way in their situation. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know what they're experiencing. But I guarantee you that everyone in this room has got something that they're facing. Every single person. Doesn't mean one person's more holy than the next. But we just want to bring God in. In His perfect timing. That when God comes in, that thing will quake and a path will be made. Amen. So start praying. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you, Father. We thank you for the way that you move in people's lives, God. We thank you, Lord, for what you've already set apart. We thank you for what you're planning to do. We thank you, Lord, for the very things that we may consider to be obstacles, God, to be things that you're going to move out the way. Father, even with doing nothing at all, in your presence they quake. We thank you that your timing's perfect. We thank you that you're all-powerful. We thank you, Lord, that Lord, when there was no footsteps, you'd already created something especially for us. That's how much you love us. So, Father, right now, I thank you for each and every person in this house. Father, I pray for testimony upon testimony upon testimony to filter through, not just these walls, but into families, not just into our families, but, Lord, into our workplaces and our schools, God, that Ballarat would start to hear the waters that you've parted in different individual lives. We thank you, God, that we can trust you. We thank you that we can turn to you. We thank you that you're a good God all the time and all the time that you are good. So we give you this message. Father, we give you this challenge, God. Lord, we give you our hearts. And we thank you for today. We thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness. And everybody said, Amen. Have a wonderful day.